Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. This is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael. And today we welcome on the show Diane Zengali, and she is going to talk about the Knights Templar. She is the Grand Cancellaria of the Fraternity of the Hidden Light, a Knights Templar herself and a Continental Mason. She also has a fascinating um, balance of Eastern uh, knowledge as well, and she has studied and lived in Japan for 17 years, and there she got her fifth Dan Aikido, and is also an initiate of Mikyo Shingong Zen. And she is also a, uh, a retired engineer, electrical engineer, and she got her bachelor's and master's degree at MIT. So before we get started, however, with this amazing and fascinating topic, Michael has a few announcements. Hi, everybody, and thanks again for tuning into our show. We always love having you guys here, and please click and subscribe and leave comments and so forth, and it really does help us more than anything else you guys can do. Um, get all the information on our show on our, our website, sixcentsociety.com, S-I-X-T-H, and while you're there, you can leave us a coffee on Ko-Fi if you feel so inclined, and, and subscribe to our newsletter, so we'll let you know about upcoming shows and things like that. Um, we have some really great shows coming up in the next couple of weeks. We have next week uh, Amanda Limpert, and she is the owner of the blog Spooky Eats, and she's a foodie that, foodie that travels around all kinds of inns and cafes and haunted bed and breakfast, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then Carrie Calvis at the end of the month, who is a numerologist, and we will be doing a show on numerology, which is to you know, divine the will of God through numbers. And she'll be talking about some of her own unique methods that she's developed and so forth with that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then we have some really great you know, stuff coming up the following month. We're going to have our first big two-hour paranormal special with a lot of our paranormal friends and all kinds of things. So, so check it out. Um, go to the website and you can get all the information. And then we are also, I always forget to mention, we are going to be doing a, ser a series of tarot classes starting in May. So if you are interested in learning to read the tarot or even if you're very experienced and just want to have a different perspective, um, it should be a lot of fun and it'll be done by Zoom. So wherever you are, you can do it online with us. Um, and so just contact us if you want more information on that as well. So I'm going to kick it back to you guys, and I'm really excited about the Knights Templar because I grew up in Nova Scotia, and it's a big part of our, our mythology and history from where I come from. So I can't wait to hear what we have to talk about. So take it away, Krista. Great. Thanks so much, Michael. And welcome, Diane. We're so happy to have you on today. Thank you for having me. You have, I, I, I love your background. It's such an interesting, diverse mix. And, and I think that's always uh, creates a very unique person. <laughs> I've got, it's my living room. That's my fireplace and a Shinto <laughs> shrine up on top and a you know, mix of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed too, you started your path quite early in life in, in the seventies, early seventies. That's true. I uh, I had was a freshman at MIT at 19, and I uh, 
had joined a uh, women's self-defense group. And while I was there, uh, I ran into a bunch of Dianic Wiccans and I uh, went to find out more. Uh, Dianic Wicca was not for me, but I found a Wiccan group nearby was initiated and they promptly turned into working ceremonial magic with a <laughs> Rosicrucian Golden Dawn based system. So I'm still in that tradition, but that was back in 73. So it's been a while. Yeah, that's, that's such a good, I love that story. That's great. Now, um, I'm curious how you ever became interested in the Knights Templar. When was the first time you sort of found yourself fascinated with them? Well, it was interesting. Uh, I'm, uh, as I, as you know, I did uh, miss, um, esoteric Zen Buddhism, and our uh, grand master of that style, who was here, uh, he's Japanese and he's a Mason, and he asked me if I knew any esoteric Masons, and uh, I asked. I happened to be, when, when the question came in, uh, Timothy Hogan was one of our speakers at the Fraternity of Hidden Lights, uh, uh, you know, annual conclave. And I asked him, hey, do you know any esoteric Masons that I can introduce an esoteric Buddhist to? And uh, he gave me the name of John Parsons and the local Templar Priory and uh, right in my neighborhood. So that's how I first connected with the Templars, uh, and uh, it was it's it's been an interesting interesting group. So I know that many people watching probably know a little bit about who the Knights Templar were, but why don't you share a little bit of their history for the new people that might not? Well, there's a public history for the Templars and. Uh, a, uh, an inner history that uh, of the tradition. Uh, most people think that the uh, Templar order was formed in uh, 11, uh, 1100 and uh, was uh, went into uh, the Crusades and was uh, tasked with um, uh, protecting uh, the uh, pilgrims who were going to to the uh, the Holy Land, and they uh, most the public uh, tradition has it that they were suppressed in 1304, but uh, actually the group uh, started way before that, uh, and uh, continues to this day. You know, they they went underground when they were suppressed. So what, what is some of the evidence of their earlier origins that you know of? Well, there's, uh, there's a, I, well, I recommend a, a book, um, The Way of the Templar by Timothy Hogan, which has uh, some of the history. And uh, they, they're, they, within the, um, the tradition, there are documents uh, showing that the, the group formed uh, much, much earlier. They just w didn't go public. And I, I know that um, you mentioned Timothy Hogan a couple times. And who is he exactly? Oh, he's the Grand Master of the Templar Collegia. 
And uh, there are several lineages of Knights Templar that have come down, and he's uh, one of them, one of, one of the lineages of the, of the Knights Templar. And so and he, he's so, also uh, speaks on Masonic issues, things. So by, uh, by lineage, do you mean that they claim a lineage to the Knights Templar, the, the inner Templar, or the outer order, or the more public one? What is their um, sort of claim? Well, the public one was, it's one order, but it wasn't in, in, in public view. The same way there were Masons way be, before the uh, formation of the first Grand Lodges in, in, you know, in the 1700s. You know, there's evidence of Masonic lodges going back to the 1500s. So uh, it's it, it's a matter of being in public that as a, a tradition and uh, it being in existence secretly prior and after the uh, suppression. So was the secrecy even before that out of necessity? Was it one of those? Because I'm I'm sure afterwards it would have been out of necessity, it seems like. Well, uh, I think that, that there's a lot of secrecy just because, it, it, like in most esoteric traditions, uh, there are orders that have a long lineage, but they, they're not in the public. You know, they're not publicly accepting members. They're not public uh, orders. They're, they're a, a, more of a secret society. Now, I don't know a lot about the, the more uh, historical Knights Templar, but my understanding is they were really very um, austere monks as well, and they lived by um, a code, uh, some of which was, was they, they were supposed to give all their possessions to the order itself so that they didn't own it, um, and they, so they were very poor, uh, which is, seems very ironic as they became incredibly wealthy. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they were known as the poor knights of Christ. You know, right. They, 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 they um, yeah. And, 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 then, and, and, and they did, I guess they were the first start of like uh, international banking, et cetera. I mean, they, they protected uh, pilgrims who were traveling to the Holy land. And uh, so there were, you know, they had, they, they collected fees for doing that. And you, before the show, you were talking about that, and you'd mentioned that they also protected all people, all pilgrims, not just Christians. Correct. Um, uh, the, they, the, otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to uh, set up base on the Temple of the Mount, you know, I mean, in, in, the, in the, the, the Dome of the Rock. I mean, it, it, they, they've been... Uh, uh, in contact, they their main purpose was to find esoteric knowledge in various traditions and collect it and and protect it uh, and uh, from 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 being lost. And so they were in touch with the Sufis and the Druze and uh, Cathar, Druid, uh, Jewish, Gnostic traditions. You know, a lot of traditions that had uh, alchemical knowledge, uh, building knowledge. I mean, that's why they became uh, the, the cathedral builders. And after they were suppressed, the cathedral building pretty much stopped. And, and if you look at the cathedrals, they have images of Templars and alchemy and astrology and all, all these other uh, symbols. 
Masonic symbols as well. I, I read somewhere online they once owned the island of Cyprus. They had so much money <laughs> that, of course, that was uh, somewhat of their their undoing, as as history shows. And can you share a little bit about what actually happened that caused the suppression of the Templars? Yeah, I think uh, the, uh, the French king owed them too much money. And he wanted to get out of the debt and to seize their lands and properties. And so um, uh, he got together with the Pope and they uh, uh, accused them of all sorts of heresies and, uh, and used that as the excuse to suppress the order. But the, the Templars uh, were aware it was coming. They knew ahead of time. So there's something like only 20% of the group was actually rounded up. All the assets and all the, uh, uh, they had moved their assets and most of their people out in 18 ships and went into hiding before the suppression. So, and after the suppression, they fled all over the place. Many of them became stonemasons. They, um, they, changed their flags on their ships. They, they, they joined other orders like the hospital, hospitaliers. Um, so it, it was a, uh, you know, they, they, they went underground when, when the suppression happened and it, and it happened because the, the French King wanted their, 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 their wealth. That, didn't uh, get it though. That, that's one of the most famous stories is the, the burning of Jacques de Molay, the, the last grand master, which is what I first learned when my husband became a mason. I learned about that story. I, I think everybody does. And that when he was burned at the stake, what he, he said about the Pope and King Philip. And they were both dead within a year. Yeah. He, he said that. And, uh, that's that's pretty extraordinary. Why do you think he stayed? Was it just sort of like his duty as the Grand Master to sort of see things through? Well, I believe he was, you know, he was older, and, and they had hopes of reversing it. You know, they didn't expect it to go the way it went. Mm. Um, you know, uh, but, and, and I know over the years, there were attempts to, you know, reverse the ban. And I, I believe the, the, I forget which Pope recently, you know, in more recent history had, uh, you know, uh, removed the, uh, the ban on, mm -hmm. on them for the, for the heresy. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the Templars uh, didn't expect it to go the way it went. And, um, and there are the, the grand master, there were, there was another grand master appointed. I mean, grand, the, there's a lineage of grand masters going all the way since the suppression as well. Hmm. So who followed him, Jacques Dumoulin? What was who was the Grand Master? Um, do you know? Well, they were underground and it was secret. I, I don't have. I, I know that um, I've read in in one of the books I've read. There is a uh, you know a list of all the uh, in 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 the um, lineage of who you know who was next and who was next and who was next. And um, that would be a good question for Timothy Hogan. I don't I don't have that off the top of my head. No worries. Uh, now, in the the Knights Templar, originally there were no women in the order. Is that correct, or was that another thing no, that that? That's not correct. Uh, there were there were women and 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 men in the order. Uh, it was originally formed uh, in 1096 in Constantinople, 
in a church called the uh, Church of Saints Sergius and Bacchus that had been built in uh, 527 CE. Uh, and it later became the Templar Commandery and main, remained that way until 1314, and it's now a mosque. Hmm. So, um, and, and what were their roles? I understand the, even the men had different roles, and not every Knights Templar was a knight. There were different tasks and different roles, and um, what roles did the women play? Well, uh, there were women knights. There were women with swords. Think Joan of Arc. I mean, there there were women uh, involved in 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 all aspects. I mean, and the Templars were also uh, connected with the uh, the Catars and other Gnostics, which treated women quite equally. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah, the Gnostics I know especially did at that point. So now going back to after they fled, I I know that one of the theories is Scotland because of um, Roslyn uh, Cathedral. And what what other places did they do you think they fled to? What you what do you know? Well, there's evidence of Templars in the New World. Uh, you know the Kensington Moonstone. Uh, then also things going to, uh, you know, in Newfoundland, and, and uh, I think there's one in Rhode Island, you know, these uh, beehive-shaped buildings and towers and things um, with, with Templar symbols on them. Uh, and the Templars had connections with uh, various American Indians. You know, it's interesting hmm. when Lewis and Clark went to uh, we're going across the U.S. and meeting various uh, indigenous people. Uh, they had, you know, aprons and similar symbols and passwords that were recognized, uh, at, you know, Masonic symbols, and that uh, that helped them uh, make connections. Um, there's so that they believe goes back to when the Templars were there early on. Oh, that's really fascinating. I, I didn't know that. I really like that. So um, in, in the modern day uh, Knights Templar, it does seem like there's a variety of organizations. And uh, could you share a little bit with the organization that you, I think there was two that you're involved in, but one for sure I remember. There's, there's two that, um, that I, I had been active in. Uh, there's Circe's, uh, which uh, they've changed its name to uh, I think they're the Templar Research Institute now, mm-hmm. and um, Timothy Hogan had been there, and now uh, I'm in Templar Collegia, which is a group that uh, uh, t- Tim is the grandmaster, and uh, that's that's the group that uh, that I had met back uh, when I when I started as a Templar. Um, through that chance meeting of connecting an esoteric Buddhist with an esoteric Mason, see what happened. <laughs> um, not, a, not a chance, probably, not a coincidence. There are no coincidences. There are, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's true for the uh, spiritual path, for sure. I, I feel that same way, actually. Um, yeah. And, More and so. Yes, synchronicity is. And it is. It, I, I was really interested in the fact that it was an esoteric Buddhist that connected you to the two. I, I hadn't heard that one before. And it, it makes you realize just how pervasive uh, some of these um, groups were that we just didn't know about until they, they start talking to each other. Yeah, yeah I mean, I had, uh, I, I'd been brought up uh, in a. Um, a non-religious Catholic family. I mean, or and 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 I 
so I was, and I became Wiccan at 19. And I hadn't really, you know, I wasn't that familiar with Christian tradition. And then in meeting the, you know, Gnostic sanctuary, uh, Rosamond here in, in, in our area in Redwood City, um, there's a lot of Isaean energy there, you know, Isis, priestess, uh, uh, Egyptian Isis. And there's a lot of, of um, goddess energy. And I think the Templars also had a lot of goddess energy. So it's like, it, it, it felt like coming home. Now, in the, the modern Templars, what is, um, at least the, the Templar Collegia, what, what is basically their mission and what are they trying to accomplish? Well, uh, we're, if you, uh, you're trying to make yourself a better person, it's very similar to masonry. Uh, you know, you're working on um, service, you're working on uh, development, you're working on your skills. Um, it, it's a, um, it, it, there are various ways you can do it. It's a lot of, there's study, there's, uh, again, familiarity with these esoteric traditions. Um, you know, uh, there's, uh, it, it, it's a um, trying to, it's a path to develop yourself to become better. And do they have um, degrees or initiations in their traditions, such as, you know, a lot of the orders do of their own kind? Yes, but I can't talk about them. Of course. <laughs> and and do, are, are they open uh, to all people in terms of, you know, race and religion and similar? I know the Masons, yep. the Masons are. Um, and do they have yes. like a, a criteria, for instance, you know, the Masons that you have to believe in some kind of supreme being? That's one of their criteria. Well, that depends on which Masonry you're in. Continental Masonry, the French Masons, you don't ha you, you don't have to believe in a supreme being, but um, you have to be working to become a better person. That's, you know, mm -hmm. so, so the, 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 uh, there, there isn't the uh, you have to believe in God. Uh, goddess or god or whatever um in in uh it depends on which branch of masonry you're in now i understand that the the york right in masonry has um something connected to the knights templar too now i don't know obviously much about it but just in my sort of reading of the knights templar it was kind of mentioned and uh are you familiar with that uh, well i'm i'm in the my masonry background is scottish right because it's continental masonry, so I'm not that familiar with York Rite. Um, uh, and uh, again, in, in uh, most regular masonry, women aren't allowed as members, so I, I, I really don't know what uh, the details of that tradition. Um, and for those of you but, that, but, that uh, don't know sort of regular masonry, that, that Michael, maybe you want to jump in and just sort of mention what that is, since you probably have a better definition than I do. Yeah, I mean, there's two really um, different branches in Freemasonry, and, and one is built around the York Rite, one is built around the Scottish Rite. Um, the York Rite is the older, um, and basically it's British Freemasonry, so that was the one that really did start in Scotland and, and evolved into the Grand Lodge of England in the 1700s. Um, and then the Scottish Rite is actually French, French Freemasonry, so it has absolutely nothing to do with Scotland, even though it's called the Scottish Rite, um, although it does use Scottish kind of symbolism. 
And, and part of the reason for that was, again, in, in France in those days, um, all things Scottish were like, it was a romantic thing as in Native Americans here. Um, so it, it kind of became their thing, and, and so it became the Scottish rite, and they do have a small elements of, of Scottish culture in it, I guess, for lack of a better word, but really no connection to Scotland as such. The actual Scottish one is, is honestly the royal arch. Thank you. Yes, that's uh, Michael is a past master of, of Sunset Lodge. I thought he might make a quick sort of statement about that. Um, but but getting... Michael might also have an answer to your question about Knights Templar degrees in in uh, regular masonry, because I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's yeah, there, there is a, a Knights Templar now. The... There's, it's a dubious connection at best. Um, and there was a, a fellow running around France who was entertaining crowds with his oratory skills and giving speeches. And he realized that they were very into it. So he kind of made the connection. But uh, from an actual scholarly point of view, um, it's a pretty big leap of faith to, to suggest that it's actually a lineage. So, But it is part of the the, um, the royal arch, yes. The, the, there's several organizations beyond Freemasonry, the, the first three degrees are the Blue Lodge, and then you uh, have, to have to be the, the Royal Arch is the next big degree beyond that, um, the Royal Arch degree itself. And then beyond that, there are cryptic Masons, there's the Knights Templar thing, and so forth. And sometimes I think these organizations were because when people became a past master of, of a Blue Lodge, they kind of reached their pinnacle and they still wanted to be in charge of something. So they created all these orders as a way of still being important. So, because I really think the foundation of the Blue Lodge is really Freemasonry and everything beyond that is, is my humble opinion, relatively wonderful, but relatively frivolous. Hmm. There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did want to ask just your own personal opinion. Why do you think that the public is so really enthralled by the Knights Templar? You know, it's you'll see, you know, like in the culture, the imagery, um, there's a romance around it when you look at their order. It, I mean, it, it seemed kind of tough to be a Knights Templar, if you ask me. <laughs> they, they, they were very dedicated. Yeah, I, I think there's also a romance, uh, modern day, against medieval uh, things. You know, mm. like like the the, the uh, uh, fictional shows that are out there that have you know kings and queens and armies and things going on. But uh, I, I think the uh, uh, what what really fascinates me about it is uh, I've always been drawn to esoteric and the occult and the esoteric knowledge, the fact that they had connections with uh, preserving uh, those traditions of alchemy. And, and uh, uh, even uh, they, from what I hear, the Zohar from the Jewish Kabbalistic book, that Zohar text was found in a jar in the desert by the Knights Templar and they couldn't read it. And instead of giving it to the church, they uh, got it over to a Jewish community in Spain to translate. And that became the Zohar and gave us the information about the Tree of Life and the Kabbalah all came from there. Oh, that's really so. fascinating. So would you think then, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of sort of theory around the lost treasure of the Templars. Where is it? What is it? Would your opinion be that it could be kind of a mix of, of like gold and silver and books and 
objects that are sacred? I think it's knowledge. It's knowledge. And I don't think if there was, uh, you know, stashes of people escaping, it's probably not all in one place, you know, uh, but but uh, I, I'm I'm sure that the the order uh, survived and 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 kept on after after the suppression. So in the the Templar group that you belong to, is it primarily um, what you study? Is it more based on the Western occult background, or does it have an influence from different? kinds of traditions because it sounds like the templars were protecting all different types of sacred texts and sacred traditions yeah well actually we 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 when we meet in priory we we, you know, we we run discussion groups and we work on various things and uh it's um you know it's it's an interesting uh community to be in to to discuss these topics and and work with and uh, our, our group has a series of, you know, if you if you join and work the system, there are books that you use to uh, to actually, uh, you know, of, of of information. So it's 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 very interesting to me. But as you mentioned, I've I've been involved in many traditions, and I'm active in many. And I look at it as, you know, there's one universe and one. You know, one mountain to the light, and there's many paths up that mountain, depending on how you get there. And uh, they they work together. So um, I find the the things that I've learned uh, in doing, say, the the fire ritual for uh, Shingon Buddhism and the chanting and the discipline for that. Uh, helps my working in ritual for uh, Western mysteries tradition and hermetic tradition. So they, they, they work together. Well, and, and that that's interesting because there's definitely, and, and this is just everyone has a right to their opinion, obviously, um, but I've heard other people say it's, it's almost better to stay in either Western or Eastern tradition because they're so different. Now, I'm, I'm like you. I, I haven't gone as deeply into the Western tradition, maybe in the same way you have, but I work with both Eastern and Western, and I like it. And I've just thought, uh, I'm just going to do it because that's me. And I, I, it benefits me. I'm a better person. I, I, it, when I was stopped doing my, my mantras, I felt a big difference and not a good way. <laughs> so I, I've made peace with it. But I, I could see that point of view. But it sounds like you've been able to integrate the different worlds in a way that you feel is helping you. Well, I think I went really deep in one tradition before I was exposed to the other tradition and then went deep in that seeing similarity. So it's not like dabbling. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you, whatever tradition you work with, you need to go deep in it to get the benefit of it. You know, you can't just pull, you know, this ritual and that ritual from different places. And that, that's not usually uh, encouraged, but uh, you should go uh, deep into anything to study. I, I totally agree with that because I, I would say I did the same thing. I was only really immersed in, I started out um, early with Tibetan Buddhism and I only did that well into, I don't know, for about 10 years. Only really started getting introduced uh, to Western um, esoteric after that. I, I think I didn't know much at all except for maybe a little astrology and all my friends were, were Buddhist at the time. And then I kind of delved into that 
uh, in my own way um, for quite a while. Mostly Michael and I, it's been through the tarot has taken us because of the tarot. It, it introduces you, if you let it, it will introduce you to all kinds of things, <laughs> you know, including Kabbalah, mm -hmm. which, which uh, for me was interesting since I have a, a Jewish background that was never really um, encouraged um, because my father decided not to raise us Jewish and my mother was Catholic and she didn't want to raise us Catholic. So we we weren't raised anything in a sense. And uh, I, I think in a way it was fairly liberating for me that I could pick my own path at the time I, I really wanted to. But um, but I, I can see where, you know, and I think everyone's different. Like you said, there, the, there are many paths to the truth. And I think is going deeply and committing yourself, I think, is probably one of the most important things, whichever the path is. The most important thing is working with the uh, symbolic keys that speak to you. Like I, when I started in uh, my first magical order, we were working Greek and Egyptian God forms on the tree of life. And so I had nothing really to do with Hebrew or tarot till I uh, started working with fraternity of hidden light. You know, it's, they're the same archetypes in different ways, but uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of you have to pick what speaks to you. I mean, some people Norse will do it for them. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to work with where your passion is because the, I think the key to magic is the symbols speak directly to your subconscious and that's where the connections are made. It's not in text. It's not in what you, what you read and study it's in what uh symbolic keys open you up by working with symbols and so you need to find your own inner voice and which symbols speak to it and speak to you and and that that's how you should guide what your tradition will be i think that's excellent advice and i think it's a very powerful way to not only um choose a path, but the symbols will start to come up in your life organically and synchronistically, which I've always been hugely fascinated by that, the way the universe relates to us in our own language esoterically, you know, you'll see what makes sense to you as a, as someone on the path. Well, that's why tarot works is even if you just work with the cards, the symbols on them will affect you, whether you know, consciously or not. Um, it's so, so true. It's, it's and and the, the tarot is a great um, teacher uh, because what I have found when, that when we started, uh, I didn't really know much about tarot history or the tarot occult or um, I was, you know, I've always been fascinated. I have a metaphysical father and I've been, you know, following a path that's somewhat metaphysical my whole life in different ways. And just fell in love with uh, the the tarot as a image, the imagery, without knowing anything. And and when I think about what it led me to, really, I can I can say it was working with the symbols that made me curious about something or opened up something inside of me. And and it's 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 it is remarkable how our subconscious does really relate to the the symbols and and how powerful it is to change one's life. I think one of the key things of why you do magical work is, you know, you want to become an adept. 
means that you have made that connection to your own inner voice and have that guidance. And it's personal. It, it's, you know, each person's different. You know, it's like uh, the Hierophant card, you know, your intuition. That's, that's what guides you. And each person, you know, you, you can't get it, someone else telling you, you can't get it from a fossilized tradition. You get it, you know, it's got to be alive. It's got to be magic. It's got to be um, your own living tradition. And then that evolves. So uh, that's, that's the, an important key to magical work. Now, in the, the Knights Templar uh, group you're involved in, is there um, any sort of mentorship or does, uh, like, let's say I, I go in and I'm a, a complete beginner. Let's say I really have not a lot of knowledge about anything. Is there someone that would work with somebody in terms of just helping them to help them with progress? Or is it more just sort of a broad sort of way of, of working with people? Well, each each group, uh, you know, we haven't been meeting in person in you know since quarantine, but uh, you know, people we'd meet once a month or uh, you know, and you 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 talk, you discuss, you you know, you help each other understand a topic, and uh, so it's there there is mentorship, and it's 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 in the um, dynamics of the group, you know, it's very so it, it's a it's a nice supportive environment. So it sounds like there's there's quite a bit of discussion and and study of different topics. Um, and is that true also of FLO? I know that Dan has been on the show before, and we've had Christopher, who's also part of that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we we uh, in um, uh, FLO there's there you know there's the study groups which are open to the public. You know, go to lvx.org slash calendar to see everything that's coming up. And uh, we have one going on now about hermetic alchemy. There's an astrology group. There's tarot. There's various other study groups where are open discussions with experienced people. But uh, there's also the, uh, if you become initiated into the order, then it's, you think, your standard rosicrucian golden dawn style of uh there are initiations at various levels where you do various things it's ritual work with a group um the uh, their secrets i can't tell you about the ritual itself because you know actually the worst thing you can do to someone who's about to be initiated is have them know ahead of time what they're getting what the initiation is going to be or it won't have the effect it's supposed to have right it's, it's it's a like Masonic initiation, similar. You don't. Uh, there's that element. So there's there's two elements. There's this there's the the um, study that's public, and then there's ritual work. And we also have a probationers program uh, for people who may be interested in joining. And it's a a, a series of courses that you can. Uh, we just moved to a new platform where you can download lessons, upload homework and tests and be mentored and work through a uh, basic foundation of uh, esoteric knowledge to get you ready to join a lodge. And uh, if, if, if that's your path. That's wonderful. 
Now, again, this is mostly from your own experience since you've been involved for very many years in, um, you know, working on the inner self and, and um, really becoming your truer self. What do you think from your experience are some of the signs that you're actually making progress that a person could actually see, you know, because I think sometimes it's hard for us to evaluate ourselves fairly, both positively and negatively, but mostly from your own experience, what, what do you think could be some of the signs? Well, uh, one way to, to describe it, you know, in a, in a non-magical way is it's like integration of the personality of the different components. So you can tell someone's making progress when they get past that small personal ego and start, you know, realize, you know, you, 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 could, you know, the big red flag is, is if somebody makes you really angry, one, one finger's pointing that way and the other three are pointing back at you. You need to, uh, it, it's showing you what, areas of yourself you need to deal with and balance and uh, as you work your way up the tree of life or work with the, the archetype archetypal symbols are methods to balance the personality which gets you into the point where you can work with that inner intuition and develop that sense of uh of what what you need to do next you know like uh, there's a magical accent when in doubt do nothing because the other part of that is when you know you know there's no logic you know it's not a logical thing you figure out but if you need to go in a per particular direction you'll know it and um i guess i've been lucky i've always had that sense which is how i ended up in japan but um it's it's a matter of uh you're at each point in time you're at a crossroads and you you you'll know if there's something you need to do now in the and modern day sense. no it makes perfect sense um in in the modern day we all have been forced for instance to do more virtual classes and teachings and and we've had some discussions with um lon milo duquette uh about magic moving into the virtual world in a very positive way and um he feels pretty strongly about it and i think has been experimenting with even rituals what is your thoughts mm -hmm. about that well right now we can you can do guided meditation easily on a zoom meeting or so but it's uh, ritual itself is difficult i think uh, I have done, uh, I'm in an ISIS circle, and we actually work ritual online by having each person in their own temple doing their part and reading the ritual, but we're all on screen because we can't be in the same room. And, and it works. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think the one thing that this pandemic has done is make people really reevaluate what's important why are we here why are we doing this because uh you know when you're caught up in your day-to-day -day, go to work every day you you maybe not have had the time to reevaluate what's really important and that's been a big big shift that this uh, pandemic has brought 
Yeah, I, so, I think uh, that yeah. is that is very true from what I can tell from a lot of talk and my friends and different people we've talked to on as guests as well. I, I agree with you. Uh, and, and I think that obviously people still want to meet in person at some point because there's nothing that replaces it. But I think there's a value in, yeah. in all of it, you know, and for, for me, for instance, I, I did go to some um, Buddhist um meetings because it was easier for my schedule even to just participate you know and, and it, it you it allows you to like you know even go to different states and places you'd be interested in so it can open up possibilities for the future i think yeah yeah and i love the stuff lon's doing i i, I when i was visiting uh once a month you know come see my dad i used to go to his monday night magic class regularly but they've been on on, on zoom for the last year <laughs> at least yes no he's he we, we love him he's just a really wonderful person and he's he's very uh you know, he's very inclusive and enthusiastic. The thing I, I always find after talking to him, I feel so enthusiastic about magic and that that kind of contagious enthusiasm to me personally from any teacher is always a good sign <laughs> is that they're connected and they're doing something certainly they still feel passionate about. And of course, he's, you know, like you, he's been doing these things for many, many years and has a lot to offer. Uh, but getting back a little to the Knights Templar, um, I, I think it's it's fascinating to me, the warrior aspect of um, since you you yourself studied Aikido and and there is the path, the spiritual warrior uh, that is, you know, talked about in different traditions in which uh, in some ways I I like that archetype myself um, for helping me in my regular life and not so much, even though I've, I've done some martial arts and um, fencing was my favorite. <laughs> I, I would have kept that going, but I could not afford it. At, when I moved from uh, Nova Scotia, I, I, I did some fencing because it was part of my school program. It was like $30 a semester, and we had the greatest fencing coaches, and it was just so much school. fun. <laughs> and, 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 and it was hard. Oh, my God. It was, uh, I was in my 30s when I started, so I was not, you know, I was having to compete with very young, vigorous athletes, but it was still so much fun. I learned so much and um, but, you know, I, I, I think for me personally, there is something archetypal about not that I want to go out and kill infidels, but that archetype of the warrior with the Knights Templar that I think can be important for certain people in their lives, you know, having to learn a warrior's code and what it means to stand up for injustices, which is one of the things they were big on. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that because of your well, own there, background. There's two aspects to Mars. You know, the lower aspect is, you know, armies that go off and destroy things. But the other aspect of the warrior, the higher level of the warrior, is the one who defends the weak, the one who who brings balance to things. I mean, uh, in the Egyptian myths, Sekhmet, was a warrior goddess who defended Ma'at, the balance of the universe. And that, that's a, a key is why are you fighting? Why are, what, you know, what, what causes, as you say, to fight injustice? You know, another word for Geborah or the martial Sephra is, 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 is uh, justice. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's that balance. So, um, 
Now, what I like about the Templars is that they were protecting pilgrims of all religions and trying to defend this knowledge that if fundamentalists had gotten their hands on it, it would disappear, you know, that sort of thing. I also find it fascinating that they seem to be, um, it's said that witches, a good witch can walk in any class of people. This is one of my friends who's a witch, a male witch, and he he says a good witch can really relate to all kinds of classes of people. And what it seems like the Templars were accepted and had power in all classes, from kings to the poor. And and to me that is fairly remarkable to be able to do that. You know, and, and that if you believe everyone is equal, it's easier. Yeah. So you're not you know, you're not putting uh, the wealthy on a pedestal or the royalty on a pedestal. You're, you know, everyone, you know, you everyone ends up in the same place eventually. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it's, it's, it's really nice to see it enacted. I think, you know, certainly I've met people like that in my life that I feel represent that, but to see an order that really did have some success for a while there in, in being able to show that it's possible. So whatever, it, it's a good role model even now. There are some things about their code when I, I, I did, I think I mentioned before the, the um, today's show is I'd found the, uh, a translation of the, the original 72 codes of the Knights Templar. And there are a couple of things that were very touching. Um, one was how they took care of the, their own sick the dying and the elderly, the, the, the great respect that they had for that, which I, I feel sometimes, uh, you know, the Western culture doesn't have, <laughs> you know, certainly Masons do. I know that's part of the Masonic, big part of Masonry, I'm sure part of the modern Knights Templar, but it was very, it, it was, uh, it's some of the code I think you could take now and anybody could live by it and, and be a better person. Yeah, I, th- I think the whole tolerance thing in the Masons came from the Templars. And that that is another. That's a great point because that is one of the thing I things I really like about the Masons is the tolerance. And there's not, like I said, not again a lot of large groups that have successfully. Uh, they they do have their shadow. We know that, but they're working it out. <laughs> you know, there's no group that's perfect, but that's in their their sort of their belief system is it's really great. Yeah, I, I will be very happy when regular Masons will accept women as equal Masons, since there are many female lodges out there and, and other traditions that, 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 you know, we're all human. I, I totally agree. And, and, and there certainly is um, a lot of support for that, you know, as far as eventually that does seem to be going to happen. And it's, it's all, you know, things change and, and women's roles change and, and they've been changing for a long time. So it's, it's, probably going to happen, could easily happen in my lifetime, I think. Yeah, and, and, and when you look at the history, you know, there have been women masons since what the 1750s in France. I mean, you know, it goes back, goes way back. Yeah, that, that's another, we had, um, we had someone come on and talk about some of the co-masonry, very beginning of our, our show, a long time ago, and that was really interesting to hear some of there's a lot um, that's not really known that's been going on with women in masonry. And like you said, for quite a long time. And then some of the other orders too, or in the degrees, I, I once collected sort of the, 
a little, it was like some sort of a PDF where they had all the different degrees. And I always meant to kind of read through these different degrees that had influences. They were very small, but it's, it's quite complicated, the esoteric um, history. Well, I mean, there's just, it's so rich and you can get lost in just one aspect of it and, and still learn a lot. And there's, there's just a lot more out there than I think um, many people know. So when, if people wanted to, you mentioned um, sort of where to go for the um, FLO and what about the Templar Collegia? What is, what is the best place to contact them? Uh, I think uh, Templar Collegia at gmail.com. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, or, or send information to me and I can pass it on. Uh, um, you can get to me, diane.zingali at gmail.com. Uh, and and uh, I can pass it on to people. Um, you know, the the group's been uh, been growing, and um, we're all over the place. So there, when and, and any place where you can get uh, enough people together, you can meet in person. But otherwise, people can meet um, virtually. And I do think they their website is on templarcollegia.org. It's very simple. So it's T-E-M-P-L-A-R-C-O-L-L-E-G-I-A. But I notice they don't, They it's just basically you send them an email. It looks like there's not a lot yes. uh, up there. So, so I guess yeah, they, they they're gonna, you know, they, 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 they will, uh, you know, they'll want to interview, get to know you. There's an app, you know, application because they, they want to make sure that people come in are the, you know, uh, same values. Sure. Sure, it makes sense. Otherwise, it's not really, uh, it's a waste of everybody's time, I would say, if it's not, you're not on the same page overall. So um, we're, we've got about, you know, a little more than six minutes to the show. And uh, is there anything more that you wanted to sort of just share about your own journey? Uh, any particular advice about people wanting to start on this journey or people that are struggling, for instance, like, like if they're having obstacles, what would you say for any of that? Hmm. Well, uh, when the universe presents obstacles, it usually means you need to, uh, to reevaluate, reconsider and change. You know, I, I'm also a cancer survivor and, uh, I can let you know that when I had my first uh, occurrence, uh, 11 years ago, uh, it was a wake-up call. It was the universe saying, it's time to reevaluate your life and figure out where you're going. And uh, I, uh, I did that, and I'm still here, I think, because of it. Because mm. it was, you know, it was, you know, either get on your path or check out. You know? And uh, I think uh, it's important to take what comes and look at, everything that comes to you is the universe dealing with your soul and what you need to do. And, and if you can get that intuition, it just makes it easier to follow that path. Wow. That's really amazing. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you survived that. I'm sure that was a big challenge. Uh, it's not an easy path for anyone. Well, it really helped that it, it was uterine cancer. I'm, it really helped that when I was 19, I had met Persephone. So I had lost my fear of death, which is something you get from the mysteries if you meet the goddess of the underworld. So I've had an advantage, I think. Hmm. But, um, hmm. Still, that, that's pretty remarkable. I'm not afraid of transition, but I'm still here. Yay, I've got work to do. 
you have work to do. Yes, it, it does sound like that. And, and, and what is um, your vision of, of sort of where you're going right now? Well, uh, I'm devoting a lot of energy with uh, uh, Fraternity of Hidden Light. Um, I'm, uh, you know, d getting ready. We're getting ready to, you know, come out of lockdown eventually. But uh, uh, each person needs to develop their own inner daily practice. You know, as Buddhist, you'd understand that. You know, that concept of your own magical practice of what you need to do to work on what you need to work on. And um, so my energy these days is uh, working with uh, the uh, uh, FLO, but also, you know, getting, uh, you've got to smell the roses, see the sunshine, enjoy, you know, live and uh, work, work things, see what comes your way and then work with it. I like that advice to remember to live too, because I think it anyone in the, any kind of spiritual path can uh, forget that actually, not necessarily in a negative way, but sometimes it's good just to simply enjoy life and take the time to uh, notice things. And that also helps me to personally integrate some of the you know, intense experiences I might be going through on a more spiritual level just by kind of relaxing into a day-to-day -day world. Well, the other thing is your body is your temple. It is your vehicle that you are, you know, it's your spacesuit, as Rosamund would say, you know, that your your spirit is working through, is in. So, you know, take care of it. Exercise, eat well, work on on what you need to do to be the best you can be. I think that's excellent advice. And I, I think I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to kind of spend a little more time in the physical world, literally, when the pandemic is truly, truly behind us. I know we're getting closer, but we're still kind of, you know, needing to be careful. And we're, many people are still needing to be vaccinated. So we're, we're getting there. We're making yeah, progress. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of the vaccine, because that's the key to things opening up. And I think the real key will be when when the school kids can get vaccinated, too. And uh, yeah, you know, so I, I think that that'll lead uh, to their, the, the virus being able to be dealt with. You know? Well, it's, it's already got evidence of that where they vaccinated sort of whole groups in some of the, um, the homes for the, the older people where they've had like no cases and it's, it's really backed up by um, facts. And I, I heartily agree with you. And I think it's, I also am very, very happy they came up with the vaccine so quickly because uh, it was initially going to well actually they were work yeah they were working on on the the uh mrna uh, uh vaccines for 20 years because they were trying to do a vaccine against cancers mm. and that's the only reason it rolled out so fast right they had already done the work yes so we're, we're very fortunate that way so anyway, I think we are close to the end of our show. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on. It was really enjoyable to have you here. And I, I've only met you in passing really before. So it's great to get to know you a little more. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad, glad for the invitation. You're most welcome. And, and, and uh, thank you all for joining us. And don't forget that you can also learn more about me and Michael at our website, mysticraven.net. We do readings. We have the class coming up. So there's information about the class there. 
So thank you all for attending today who, who did attend, and we look forward to next time as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. Have a great week.